So we had a leadership campout weekend uh, around Halloween. We were all around the campfire one night and having a pretty cool conversation. And one of the leaders thought it would be really funny to go get a chainsaw and stand out in the woods behind us in the campfire and just run the chainsaw. It scared the fire out of everyone that was there because this leader did not warn the other leaders that this was happening. They took it very seriously and ended up calling the police. Needless to say, it did not go over as planned. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. If we have met, my name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What is up, Jonathan? This is going to be one hell of an episode. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't tell me you were doing that on the front end, because I wouldn't have laughed nearly as hard. Um <laughs> But yes, we are talking heaven and hell today. We might make some people angry. We might uh, confuse some people. We might make you think about some stuff. And that's the, um, we don't want to make you mad, but we do want to make you think. And um, as a side note, I mentioned this in the last week. This is one of the things I wrote a couple seminary papers on. So I nerd out a little bit about this. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into the nerdy stuff. But um, in general, the big idea is that the time that we talk about the most, which is the 90s and early 2000s, um, it, it probably rolls over into the 2010s as well, but uh, it was a special time when it came to heaven and hell. And the first thing I always think of when I think of heaven and hell from the 90s is Carmen. Uh, and Eric, I know no. you didn't grow up in the church world. No. But were you at least exposed to the beauty that is Carmen? No, I don't know. Not really. I mean, it wasn't until afterwards that I see it in the back end. Like, you know, like when my parents would be like, Hey, do you remember watching mash? And I'm like, no, but obviously like I've seen clips now. So it's kind of like that. All right. So Carmen had, like, he had these elaborate oh, he. videos. Okay, good. Well, it's a, he, I, uh, yeah, it's a he. I didn't, it's, oh, I didn't get that one. Oh. Okay. Okay. Eric, Eric, Eric. I, I know a little less game. than I thought. Okay. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now. Okay. So Carmen had these real elaborate videos. Uh, there was one called Satan bite the dust that he did a song on. Uh, <laughs> he did um, the champion and, um, and see, so, all right. So not only did he do these videos with these elaborate stories and skits, but I've mentioned on here before that I was a part of the mind team growing up. So okay. I am mined to all of these Carmen songs in my, oh. um, in my church of God church growing up. Okay. So, okay. um, that was my first introduction to heaven and hell. What did you have? I know you came in later in life, yeah. but what well, were think, your, uh, yeah. So growing up for me, like the big introduction for heaven and hell was probably what I saw through the Simpsons. And 
So like, you know, cause like there was always a Halloween episode that had something to do with the devil, but yeah, heaven and hell was a lot of just like whatever pop culture heaven and hell was. And then the funny thing is like when I started getting into church, especially church leadership, I realized that that pop culture version wasn't too far away from what like mainline evangelical Christianity believed at least at least like the average everyday christian walking around you know you'd find it hard to separate out between like what is hell well there's a devil and he's he's there to torment you in fact oh okay so i think we've talked about this in another episode and for those of you who aren't who can't see us that's that's tough but i remember my wife telling me that when she was in youth group that they used to tell her to pray with her hands like flat hands together like this because if you prayed with like your fingers interlocked like a like double fist i don't know what you'd call this if you prayed like this then the devil could sit on your hands and steal your prayers yeah 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 so she had to pray like like the churches uh you know here are the steeples like double hands up like you see in every praying hands tattoo that you know people have but like yeah so she would have to pray like this because if she prayed interlocking fingers or like cheerleader grip like this the devil could sit on her hands and steal her prayers so like the whole theology that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard uh youth group man I don't know what to tell you. So anyway, but but the whole theology around heaven and hell was that. And then like when I started getting into uh, leading in youth group in the early or in the late 2000s, early 2010s, you know, there was just all of these things that you and I talked about this offline, but just like the, the, the Christian, Christian culture stuff that we're going to make an episode about eventually. But like, I remember our local radio station, like the alternative Christian rock radio station, um, was given these shirts away that said hell question mark no exclamation point and on the back it was heaven question mark yes exclamation point so it was like their way of being able to go hell no yeah we're edgy because we put heaven yes on the back so we're still christian um so there was that and then i remember like i hate church uh, people uh, dude <laughs> that we had pastors that i know this was kind of a joke for the one guy who said it to me but anytime we would go on stage to preach or to give a message somebody would say all right eric you know you got to just go and gospel the hell out of them as like just our way of <laughs> being able to say hell but in a christian way like what it it's like you're flipping off the floor story <laughs> And I actually saw someone on TikTok this weekend that did that. I and I sent it to you because uh, yep. it's not just me that did that. Other people flicked off the devil. And so uh, you can't make fun of me too much for that because it wasn't just me. That was a well, and then we talked about this too, but we had this we had this person at church, you know, that I think it was either it was one of the it was one of the 90 minutes in heaven uh people, you know, and that was another big thing that happened right around that time too, right? Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. So did you ever read those type of books or did you just stay away from them? So I never read the books, but I was in church leadership when that happened. And I, I forget if it was actually that family or not, but we had, our church had someone who had, it might've been the actual 90 minutes in heaven family come in and do a talk, you know, for a weekend. We had someone that was in one of those like near death experience genre author things I, I don't even remember who it was but man that was a huge draw uh for our church but it was a huge draw of christians or former catholics you know that's kind of what what we saw but no i never read the books i've just i've heard a lot of that stuff though you know obviously being being in and around it 
Yeah, I never read that one or the one that came out in the 2010s about um, the kid who fell down and said that he went to heaven for whatever it was. And I, I think it's because I here's my here's my rub with those things. If Paul, the apostle who Jesus personally appeared to and threw him off a horse and blinding him and all those things so that he would call him and the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, if that guy basically said that he went to heaven and saw a picture of heaven, but was commanded not to talk about it. Right. Then why is random guy selling a book allowed to talk about it? And so I'm really skeptical when it comes to those things. And monetize it. Why are you allowed to monetize it? (laughs) Correct. And that, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I was going. Um, We're we're not really going to get into rapture theology on this episode, but I did want to point out that in my church growing up, there was this really awkward painting of like cars driving down the road. Yeah. And Jesus appeared in the clouds and people, there were angels standing on the clouds and people were just floating through the air out of their cars up Uh. through up to heaven where the angels were sitting on the clouds. So, well, we, I did go to a church. Uh, my wife and I did on our honeymoon, we were visiting some friends and this, this church where I got, I mean, first of all, I think we've talked about it before. It was like denim and flannel was their whole, their whole vibe before denim and flannel got, you know, co-opted by, uh, by hipsters and stuff, but in baristas, but like they had a, uh, in the lobby, they had an oil painting of like the biblical account of heaven. So these creatures with all the eyes and the wings and the, you know, floating around and it was, it was freaky looking too. So it's like that, that was one of the first impressions you got when you walked in was just oil painting of the, you know, multiple eyes and winged angel things. Super weird. And here's the thing here's like, and this is kind of the reason we want to do this whole topic today is because this was obviously a part of our culture in church. Yeah. Uh, and we would talk about these things, but I don't remember ever in youth group I attended or any youth group that I help lead. Did we spend much time teaching about the theology of heaven and hell? Right. There was all of these like pictures and Christian pop culture things, but I, I never was a part of a study of heaven and hell. We did a four month study on revelation and the end times because you know, priorities, yep. Uh, but, but I never went through a study on heaven and hell. Yeah. I mean, it was like every other month was, uh, was a dating or a sex talk. And then other than that, it was like, don't do drugs, uh, be good friends. And, uh, a lot of like, towards the end of the year, we would always pack it with like spiritual disciplines, read your Bible, pray, stuff like that. Put on the full armor of God, sort of speak, but no, never, never on heaven and hell. I remember when I was an intern, I pitched a series on uh, heaven and hell, and I was framing it as the after party. Yeah, There's a party you, after you die and you get to choose which one you attend. But it was shot down because it was thought that kids don't care much about heaven and hell. And yeah. I don't think that's a wrong idea. I don't think kids do care much about it, but I think it's a lot. It's something that even though they don't care about, we need to talk about and show right. them why they should care about it. Yeah, I mean, like the theology... Do they care about their afterlife? Probably. Do they care about what happens when they die? Yeah, you know, at times. Do they care about the deep theological implications of heaven and hell? 
No. Just like, do we care about the Old Testament law? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and Leviticus and stuff like that. Sure. Do we care about the deep implications and the contextual, you know, ramifications of of Leviticus and numbers and all that kind of stuff? Eh, no. <laughs> you know I mean? Like most people don't because it's not you don't you don't see that practical application, but it's very important to still learn why why those things are happening. So I think that heaven and hell theology just gets really really mixed up if we're if we're not careful side note so one of the churches i attended to this was uh this was like right right before the election uh with um trump and and hillary and we literally ran a series that november called the end is near and it was about the afterlife and and so (laughs) And literally, as soon as we announced it, Time Magazine had this cover with Trump and Clinton next to each other. And it said the end is near. And it was just like, it was just so funny that we tied all that stuff together. And now looking back, you know, what, seven years later, that was, that was a time, man. Yeah. But yeah, we think about all these things in end times perspectives and heaven and hell, but it also, it's, it's also like end of life things. So heaven and hell gets so there's, there's so many, it's so far reaching as far as the implications, not only the end of all time, the end of our life, but then when you have a relative or a loved one pass, it's like the end of their life, what happens? And so I, I think it's beautiful that God tries to give us this picture of comfort for what's going to happen at the end of our lives. But at the same time, having done a countless number of funerals, people just take it and you know, try to use it to justify their own internal feelings and comforting and stuff. And, you know, you get this stuff like grandma died and now she's got her wings and earned, earned her wings as one of God's angels, or, you know, they're in a better place or so-and-so is looking down on us or things like that. It's just, I don't know. What do you, you probably hear a bunch of that stuff too, being in, being in the Bible belt, right? Yeah. My grandma used to say anytime someone dies that that person got their wings. Yeah. So, um, that one's definitely one that I've heard. I mean, there's all sorts of them. Like, right. I'm sure everybody listening to this has a family member who has said that one thing. Uh, but the reason we wanted to do this episode, and I think why it is important, why I wish we would have talked more about it in youth group and talked about it more, is that bad theology leads us to an incomplete picture of the gospel. Yep. And we've talked about the idea of scaring the hell out of somebody um, yep. in like the, the fire insurance type of salvation. But when we don't understand heaven and hell, we don't, which let me back up. It's almost impossible to fully understand either one of those. Right. It's such an abstract idea. We can't understand it fully. I mean, almost impossible. doesn't even go that far. It's it's only possible if you can say, hey, this stuff we don't know. Like, I understand the framework, but there's a piece of it that we will never understand this side of it. So, you know, like, it's literally, you, you're you not going to be able to wrap your head around the entire thing. Yeah, it's like trying to understand what eternity is. Right. And it's it's impossible. Understanding all of heaven and hell is really hard, but we have to try. We can't just let hell be that eternal boogeyman that is just there to keep us in line. And having a true theology of heaven, a true theology of hell, it provides us with the stakes we need in order to choose to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's like there's 
but just like, you know, being a marketer, uh, there's another plug for us being marketers, um, is like, you need stakes, but at the same time, like we've talked about, I think it was in season one, if, if you have too many of them, or if you're putting failure in there too much, it becomes something that people want to run away from. And so I think you've seen a lot of people that have this shallow faith because they were manipulated into it either through, uh, a fear of hell or a wanting to get into heaven. And that's kind of the main reason why they want to do that. Now, should, should we have a framework for what, what happens after we die? Yes. But should that framework for what happens after we die kind of manipulate us into making a decision now? I mean, I think about, it's just like with your, with your kids. It's like, if, if they're only doing something because they think they're going to get a reward at the end, they're not going to repeatedly do that thing the right way. If they're only, you know, interested in you or going somewhere else or whatever, because you're going to give them something, then their relationship with you is very shallow. And I think the same is true as, you know, us being called God's children is if, if our relationship with God is based on this heaven being a reward, uh, in the afterlife, then that relationship with God is going to be extremely shallow. So let me ask this, um, think back to growing up. What was the version of heaven that was taught to you? If it was taught. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my first experience in church was in fourth grade. I went to a Catholic church with my grandma and then I didn't go to church again until, um, until junior high, but everything that I knew about heaven that was given to me from a church or, you know, directly from that was there would be fee- there would be streets of gold. Everybody would be wearing white robes. Um, at some point there was a mix of like, we would be a part of God's choir. So it made me think like we were angels, we would be singing. And then, you know, as I got into like the Calvary chapel movement, you know, from, um, the, the West coast that like, that was very big on like, we we're going to be singing praises eternally. So walking around on golden streets, which I equated to the yellow brick road from wizard of Oz, uh, wearing, <laughs> I mean, seriously, but like, I don't know any different gold didn't mean anything to me when I was that age, you know, I was like, uh, then I'm wearing a robe and we're going to be singing worship songs all the time, which the churches I went to when I was growing up, I didn't want to be there singing the worship songs anyway. So, so I'm, no. I'm guessing it wasn't much different for you. No. And I was so bored by the songs we sang then. I'm like, God, I do not want to, I do not want to be a part of that. Like right. that version of heaven was nothing that attracted me to like, that's, that's the end game. Like yep. I've got to give up all these things that sound fun that all my friends are doing so that I could sit around on a cloud and sing bad songs off key to a piano. Right. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. And I think there, there was a pushback to, you know, and I don't remember where I first kind of heard this thought or, you know, it's like the people that would, would be like, okay, if heaven is that way, I don't want to be a part of it. I'll I'll be partying with all my friends in hell. You know what I mean? Cause it was kind of like this, this other side of the secular version of all the Christians are going to go to heaven. And it's going to be boring and stuck up and everybody's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be like a bad after church potluck. And then all all of the fun people are going to be partying in hell. You know what I mean? So it was like a different look where the other thing that it, it, it comes to me is because then you create this dynamic where the people that don't really believe or they don't understand, 
And now they're going, well, hell is a better place to be anyway, because I don't want to be in heaven. But then on the other side, this is what really bugs me about what happens with kind of, I would say, conservative uh, Christian evangelical theology is hell would be that assurance that people that didn't do right in this life would kind of get theirs in the end. You know what I mean? It was like this. It was this trump card in the back of your mind that all the people that didn't do it the right way. Oh, yeah, well, you're going to get your judgment in the end in hell. And it was like thinking through that frame of theology, it's like, bro, that is not a healthy framework. But what it seems like when I was growing up was like that was the thought is that uh, almost almost when you look at the uh, the prayer of the the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? Is like the the Pharisees over there talking all this big game, and the tax collector's got his head bowed, and it's like there's this mindset that somehow we've put the Pharisee in the right spot. They're going to go to heaven, and the people that didn't do it right are going to go to hell. And Christians, even though they wouldn't say it out loud, a lot of us feel like that's the justification for why I'm living right is because you're going to get yours in the end and it's going to be in hell. And it's like, whoa, that starts to become real weird once you once you unpack the way that 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 plays out in people's life. And here's the hard part with the entire conversation, and that's the things that we've been told about heaven and the things you're saying about hell, there's scripture to back up both of those. Right. Right. So like if you're picking and choosing ideas out of scripture, you're not that wrong with what it is, but I think it's an incomplete view of what heaven and hell is. So we're about two thirds of the way through a typical length of our episode. So I want to spend the last half, the last back end of this last third talking about what I believe heaven and hell actually look like so that we can talk more about um, and have a deeper understanding about this. So um, you want to start with heaven first or hell first? I'll let you pick. Heaven. Heaven. Let's go heaven. Okay. So there is a biblical basis for the streets of gold, the pearly gates, the singing forever, all those things. Yeah. However, that's not the end game. After Jesus comes back, after he, when he's reigning forever, that's not the long-term view of what heaven is. Uh, there's a Hillsong United song that gives me the best like pithy version of how I would describe it. And it said, imagine heaven where we stand, not just some distant promised land. Yep. And that's the beauty of, of heaven, the picture of heaven that motivates me um, because after Jesus appears in the second coming and he, when he's reigning forever, uh, he's going to bring heaven back to a sanctified earth. Yep. that has no sin. So we're going to live on this planet again, but with no sin. So no natural disasters, no sickness, no pandemics, no natural beauty being corrupted by humans. And that's something that I can't wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. But when I go to the beach or when I see a sunset or when I, all those things that people talk about the beauty of creation. That's just a glimpse and a, and a small snapshot of what eternity will be because we're going to be living that, but then we're going to have perfect relationships too, because the people here won't have a sin nature anymore either. Right. Yeah. It, and that's so interesting. And it, it's weird because when you read the scripture, 
you know, it's like we could dive into how much of the stuff is allegory and hyperbole and what's meant to be taken literally and what's meant to be taken contextually. But anytime I see things about heaven, it's important for me to remember, like this is a, even though it's, it's, it's divinely inspired in the scripture, you are still having to translate through a finite human understanding. And so when they say it's going to be streets of gold, you know, it's like, is it literally streets with gold on it? Probably not. But when you're trying to describe something that is so beautiful and magical and, you know, wonderful, what would you say? It's like, what would be, what would be the most impressive thing you could think of? And it's like, streets that are just glittering with gold and like that it's not I, I don't believe it's meant to be taken literally as much as it's like that's the closest approximation to that you know uh, we will be in full uh we'll be in full fellowship with god and singing his praises forever it's like okay it, so the my mind goes to the worst most boring church service i've ever been a, a part of when in reality the writer is it'd be better said if i said jonathan have you ever been in one of those moments in worship where you've completely lost yourself and you're emotionally wrapped up to the point where it's like, oh, you've realized these words are hitting you. The song is hitting you. The moment is hitting you where you, you just, your, your emotions cannot be contained by your physical body. You know, it's like, I've had one or two of those mountaintop type of experiences. Okay. That's what the feeling of heaven is going to be like. Okay. I mean, it's like trying to explain to somebody what, what, what love is, or, uh, like, you know, trying to explain to your youth group, like, Hey, do you want to know what sex is like? I mean, like you just don't have words to accurately explain it to them in a way that they would understand. And so this whole theology around heaven is it's, I think it's, it's limited anyway by not only the language, but our ability to understand what is, essentially the not understandable, you know, you can't translate what it is. So, but we, we always want to try and put things into a box and label them. And, and then that ends up getting us in trouble because of the limitations of our allegory. What you're saying is hundred percent true. Let's take it even further. Like I cannot imagine what it's like to have a friendship without sin. Right. Or a relationship without sin. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine because sin is such a part of, who we are as human beings. That's why we say we have a sin nature, even though we have been redeemed and we're being restored and we're being, our minds being rejuvenated and, and yep. all those things. At the end of the day, we still have a sin nature. And so even the most sanctified of Christians is going to lose their cool occasionally. They're yep. going to do something that's selfishly motivated. They're going to do something that is um, not pure and holy, but in heaven, whatever that looks like, we're not going to have that nature anymore. We're going to be a hundred percent clean, I guess you could say. Yep. And I can't wrap my head around it. But what I do know is that it will be a real place. Mm -hmm. It will be real uh, new heavenly bodies without yep. the high blood pressure, without the back pain, without mm -hmm. the autoimmune disease, without the whatever. Preach Those it. aren't going to exist anymore. And I, I think for like, like your son, he's going to be a hundred percent healthy. Yep. And I can't imagine what that does for you when you think about that in terms of a motivating factor for heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's in each of those cases, 
uh, I, I appreciate God's grace to be able to provide this in our lives where we get glimpses of heaven, right? Like I've heard people talk about it that way, glimpses of heaven, where uh, can you have friendships where there are seasons of friendships where you're just completely in the zone and your mutual relationship is like life-giving and there's you know, that there's not, it's not infected by, by sin or sin nature. Yes. That's a glimpse of heaven. You know, the perfect relationship times that you have with your spouse, your partner, like, is that a glimpse of heaven? Yes. You know, are there times that I look at my son and it's like, you would have no idea that, that he has any medical problems. Yes. You know, like, so those are, I think those are like the microcosm glimpses that would be applied all the time in heaven type of feel. So you know, I think what you're saying is is spot on where it's like you could see moments of the sunlight through the clouds, but in heaven, it'll just be a cloud free experience, so to speak. So we could we could stay there for a while, but let's let's flip to hell. Yeah. Um, what was the. The picture you were always given of hell growing up in the church? Yeah, it was basically the Simpsons. I mean, I even remember the the episode where uh, Homer is in hell and Flanders is the, is the, uh, the devil and um, he's being fed donuts eternally, you know, and like the, that's the punishment, but yeah, it's essentially eternal punishment, eternal torment, eternal damnation, lake of fire cast out, you know, and the, the, the theological backing to that was like, you are going to experience eternal separation from God. And you don't even know what that would feel like. It's like being in the vacuum of space, you know? And so it was, it was almost the, the opposite approach with the same effect of like, you're going to be singing worship songs forever because, you know, it's like the old, the old Billy Graham, like, can you, can you see God? No. Can you see the wind? No. Can you see the effects of the wind? Yes. You know, that whole theological mindset where I'm like, as a kid growing up, it was like, okay, eternally separated from God. That's kind of like what we are here and now, right? So it was really weird, the mix of like the eternal punishment and damnation in hell, while at the same time feeling like it's not really going to be much different because I didn't really know any different than, you know, separation from God. So I don't know. It same type of situation. You won't know how bad it is because you've never experienced life without without God's grace. So I don't know. That was about it. It was really confusing. Just a eternal timeout, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> it was just a punishment. You were grounded forever. For me, it was the lake or lake of fire. You're always yeah. burning. It's eternal. It's eternal fire, constant flames. You are burning forever with no yep. escape, but your body doesn't burn. Yep. That's what I was taught hell is. And you mentioned it. Um, so, so basically if we, if we want to get a little technical, that's the, the literal view. That's what's uh -huh. called the literal view. It's taking yep. Jesus at his words, lake of fire, whatever that it's a literal lake of fire and constant burning and torment. The other view you, that you mentioned a little bit of, um, and this goes back to what you said about heaven is what's called the metaphorical view. And it's the idea that Jesus used metaphors people would understand to try and portray the terribleness of hell, but wasn't actually describing the exact details. Similarly, when Streets of Gold, it's yep. a metaphor to try to get you to understand the greatness of it, but it's not actually uh, Streets of Gold. Right. So whatever hell is, those are the two most normal views. 
um, mm. or not, I'll say normal, the most common views. There are other views as well. If you want to know more, there's a book called Four Views on Hell. That's incredible. It takes four theologians with four different views on hell. They each write an essay on what they believe, and then each the other three write a rebuttal to that why they're wrong. So it's a very cool look and uh, academic approach to uh, the different views of hell. Sounds like every con- conversation I've had with any reformed bro in the early 2000s. <laughs> Sorry. Without okay. getting too much in the weeds, uh, whatever hell actually is, the one thing that most people can agree on is that it's a constant longing for something while never possibly being satisfied with what you get. Mm. And while that doesn't sound super terrible on the surface, if you've ever battled with depression or mental health issues, it's essentially a lot of those feelings for all of eternity with no hope for reprieve. Yep. And that's on the lighted. It could be worse. It could be significantly worse. We don't actually know, but we do know that it's a constant separation from God and a longing for a fulfillment that will never come. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's something that's important to just think through and remember, and this is not to, to downplay anybody who's currently going through mental health struggles. But yeah, when you say that, it's like going through a constant state of anxiety and always being afraid and never having a reprieve from it like that, you know, no medication will take care of it. No amount of Zen or, you know, mindfulness, or there's no break and same thing with the depression. And, you know, so man, that, that does seem like something pretty terrible, but what, what gets me in the modern church and what we learned in youth group that I think we need to unlearn to move forward is an over fixation on the afterlife makes us lose sight on the importance of our roles in the here and now. And so if you're only just like, if you're only working for the weekend, your week's going to suck. If you're here in this life and thinking only about heaven or thinking only about not trying to going cast to hell, up treasures in heaven. Yeah. I mean like that's it. And then, and, and on your way, you're treating the people around you right now, like garbage, or you're justifying your piety by saying, well, they're going to get theirs in the end. Like, I think you're missing the boat is kind of where I'm at on that one. Yeah. I, um, I want to believe that universalism is real. I want to believe that in the end love will win, but I can't justify it through scripture. So I have to live as if heaven and hell actually are real places. I would love to be wrong. Like I would love, like there are so many things in theology that I would love to be wrong about, but I just can't, get there currently. The idea of casting up treasure in heaven does nothing for me. Um, I'm much more, I care much more about a present reality of walking with Jesus today and living in his blessings today and walk and trying to be as present to his grace and love and care and mercy in today's world. Yeah. Maybe that's because I'm 35 and I'm not 65. Right. I don't know. It, I, I, my guess is that changes as you get older. But regardless of what heaven and hell actually are, Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly. And while we need to know what those ultimate stakes are, 
I don't think we need to focus on them so much that we lose sight on the life and life abundantly here on earth. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. That's a great spot for this week to end. There's more to this conversation that we would love to have with you uh, on social. I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on Instagram. Eric is Eric W712. Did I get it right? Okay. That's right. It's the first time I've given it out this this season. So I I couldn't remember. So at Eric W712 on Instagram, uh, we would love to continue this conversation with you. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show. Next week, we are going even deeper than this week. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about doubts and deconstruction. So it's a hot topic issue right now. So uh, we're going to pull off and actually talk about that for a little bit. So we hope to join you. If you do subscribe, you'll get that right on your podcast feed next Monday morning. It'll be one hell of a conversation.